0: Welcome to Nonprofits are Messy, Not Enough Money, Too Many Cooks, and An Abundance of Passion. Leading nonprofits isn't easy. Joan Gary, the dear Abby of nonprofits, gets it, and she is here to help.
1: Uh, I think ideally there are board members who are sensitive to the work of the organization, who understand that work really, really well. But that isn't always the case. It's not always the case that you have a board of experts. And even when you do have a board of experts, that can even cause friction with uh, the executive director and staff, something we can talk about later. But that's the substantive side.
0: Being a nonprofit CEO is no walk in the park, but at least you get paid. Well, not always and not always on time, but still. Being tapped to be a board chair can be even worse. First, you've already got this full-time job and no one has really told you that now you have two of them. And this one pays poorly. No, actually it pays nothing at all. And what is this job anyway? Did anyone tell you? Are you a boss? Are you a partner? Are you a lead fundraiser? Are you just a human ATM? Well, see, I'm I'm one of these wacky people who believe that board service is a privilege. I even carry a slightly unflattering chip on my shoulder about why so many folks sit on the sidelines and don't join boards. I'm joined today by another one of those wacky people, Fordham University Law Professor Joe Landau. Joe's specialty is administrative law and immigration. But he's not just any professor. He received Fordham's, Fordham Law's Teacher of the Year Award in 2013, and he also knows the media. His CV includes a gig as the assistant managing editor of New Republic magazine. More importantly, Joe understands the importance of service. He served for many years as a board member and then board chair of Immigration Equality, an organization focused on education litigation, outreach, and lobbying on behalf of LGBT and HIV positive immigrants and asylum seekers. We're lucky to have Joe with us today. It's spring break, and he could be with some of his students in Daytona Beach. But no, he's right here in New York City (laughs) with us. Joe, thanks for joining me. I'm glad you're here.
1: Thanks, Joan. It's great to be with you.
0: As I told you, Joe, the readers of my blog at um, joangary.com with two R's and listeners to this podcast are both board and staff members. Um, And what I love about that is that it ties really in with my philosophy that the most effective organizations understand this power of shared leadership. And so for me, getting board service right is totally critical. Now, <clears throat> here's why I picked you. So, A, I know you. B, I worked with Immigration Equality. But thirdly, I believe you got a lot of things right. At some point along the way, you decided to join a board. Why?
1: Well, I decided to join the Board of Immigration Equality because uh, I had done work with immigration equality as a cooperating attorney. The area of law that immigration equality had kind of exposed me to, which was LGBT immigration, was a fascinating area of law that was developing a lot at the time. And um, there was a new executive director who had a lot uh, of of goals that seemed really exciting and interesting to me. So joining the board was uh, a total honor and a no-brainer from my perspective, as uh, it was going to give me the opportunity to be exposed to these issues that were fascinating to me, that I wanted to learn more about, and that were really helping me develop as a lawyer, as a thinker, as a person in the world, um, and as a member of a really important legal community.
0: Had you been thinking about board service?
1: I I think that uh, at the time that, uh, yes, Immigration Equality did reach out to me. It it happened to be through pretty um, uh, uh, haphazardly at a party where I met the new executive director and learned that she was the ED of Immigration Equality, told her about my terrific experiences, having done some work. For them as a cooperating attorney at the law firm where I had been working, um, and that just you know started a conversation. By the end of which she said, "Listen, I'd I'd love to uh, get you to try to join our board and meet the other board members and see if, if that might be a good fit." So so it was. It did it did unfold that way. Uh, I suppose though that if. Um, you know, I had, it could have gone very differently or I could have reached out to the organization and said, listen, I would really love to be someone you might consider for getting more involved with your board. So it it could have gone either way.
0: Right, right, right. Um, And so how long were you on the board before becoming the chair of the board?
1: I think I was on the board for probably three, three and a half years before I became chair. And then I chaired the board for, I think another three years.
0: What were the circumstances under which you became board chair? I I, I have a phrase I like to use. Um, were you volunto- were you voluntold or did you raise your hand? Uh,
1: probably a little of both. Um, I think that the that I was seen as probably the right next board chair because I had been pretty involved. Um, again, just through some relationships I uh, had developed with bringing some new funders into the organization and. Um, I think based on that fundraising work and my general interest in doing more fundraising, I think I was kind of seen as maybe the right next person. Part of this had to do with the fact that the organization wanted to expand, wanted to take on more clients and also open a new office. And so uh, I think because of that, it seemed like I might be the right fit at that particular time.
0: I think that there are listeners out there that just heard someone who um, was on a board say something about fundraising, being good at fundraising or liking fundraising. <laughs> and and they're either like trying to trying to find you on LinkedIn or weeping silently at their desks. I'm not sure which. You like fundraising.
1: Look, fundraising was um, was absolutely fine. Um, I, I would say this. It started with a an event that the executive director or maybe a staff member actually wisely decided to hold during a two-day board meeting, where some people were brought in to walk us through how you, how you fundraise. None of us really knew. It was a short session. Maybe it was an hour or two. And I actually found it kind of empowering. And, and I say empowering because the tools of fundraising are really not that complicated. Um, it, it's, it's not rocket science. But without those tools, it seems totally formidable. Um, And with those tools, I found that I was able to um, understand how to have the conversation, how to approach the right people to ask for money and how to accept either a wholehearted yes or a flat no.
0: So when you first started as the board chair, um, you know, any of us could Google a job description, but I think it's better coming from somebody who has the job. How would you define the role of the board chair of a nonprofit organization?
1: I would kind of maybe divide it into two pieces. There's a substantive component, um, and then there's more of a kind of administrative or maybe procedural or even personal component. Let me say a little bit about each component. Please. Um, the, yeah, the substantive component is really based on understanding what the organization does and making sure that um, you are making the board the, as strong as, um, and as responsive as possible to the organization and the needs of the organization. So that could be a number of different things based on what the organization does. But for me, it came down to a, a, a small number of, of issues. So let me lay them out. This is, again, this is the substantive side. Um, fi- finance, uh, finance and audit. So preparing a budget. Looking at the expenses of the organization and the revenue, and making sure that you're there to work with whatever outside organization does the the audit at the end of the at uh, the end of the year. Um, so finance and audit, um, fundraising, uh, as we just touched on, very very big important uh, issue substantively for the board. Um, another important um, feature of substantive board work is what I would call governance-related issues, which is dealing with questions about the proper functioning of the board as they come up, making sure that all the board members uh, have no conflicts of interest, et cetera, et cetera. It could even be kind of, um, uh, it could even touch on development uh, issues for the board members themselves. You could you could see governance and development kind of working hand-in-hand, or you could see them as different issues. Um, But also bringing on new board members, making sure that as board members cycle off, new board members are being groomed and coming on. So I would say those are the substantive pieces. One other substantive piece that might or might not play into all of this is kind of expertise around what the organization does. Uh, I think ideally there are board members who are sensitive to the work of the organization who understand that work really, really well, but that isn't always the case. It's not always the case that you have a board of experts, and even when you do have a board of experts, that can even cause friction with uh, the executive director and staff, something we can talk about later, but that's the substantive side. So finance and audit, fundraising, uh, 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 governance issues, board development, and possibly kind of expertise issues. On the administrative side, I would say it's also very important that um, the, the board chair understand each board member person by person, understand what their strengths are, understand how they're most able to play a role uh, on the board. And I think you do that frankly by one-on-one meetings with, with each board member, whether it's you know for lunch or for coffee or however you want to do it, getting to know them, getting to know what they're good at, maybe getting to know what their frustrations are, if they've been serving on the board and for some reason aren't happy uh, with their role. So, so that's the whole package, uh, I would say.
0: How many board members did you have at Immigration Equality? When I
1: first became chair, I think we had maybe eight, possibly nine. And we, I very much wanted to increase it. So we increased to about 15, maybe the most we ever had was 16.
0: Was it a huge time bandit for you, and was it more than you expected and I guess knowing what you sort of got yourself into three months in, uh, would you still have um, would you still have raised your hand?
1: <laughs> absolutely, I would definitely do this again. It was great for me great experience gave me wonderful opportunities in terms of understanding everything from um, organizing a complex two-day meeting to running that meeting taught me all kinds of really, really useful administrative skills that I, that I use in my, in my day job. Uh, however, it was a lot of work. It probably was more than I realized when I was first asked to, uh, to become board chair, in part because we expanded a lot. It, we, we tripled the organization's budget and we opened a new office. So there were a lot of new tasks to take on. Um, but I think it was it was totally, totally worth it. I would recommend it to anyone who's interested in taking on tough challenges in learning and getting closer to an organization that he or she feels close to and in creating new relationships, both with the other board members and also with the executive director and the staff.
0: Sometimes people see it as a bit of a trade-off to become the board chair because you in some ways are the conductor of the board orchestra and are more a facilitator of the voices around the table rather than being able to sort of impose your own point of view. I mean, so for example, I was on a board, but I don't think I would make a very good board chair because I always had things I wanted to say and points of view I wanted to share that I think I might have felt somewhat stymied in doing so if I were the board chair. And I wonder if, if, if uh, did I read that wrong? Do you, did you ever find yourself feeling that way?
1: That's really interesting. I think that's absolutely right, what you just said. The, as the board chair, you are really more in a kind of facilitation role. You, you cannot, look, I think you get a couple of opportunities maybe every year, to voice a strongly held opinion and that's that's fine and in fact that's great. I think the other board members will appreciate it when you have a strong point of view that you articulate. It. But if you are sounding that note regularly, then then it's a problem I think because what you have to do as you said is you are there to create a strong board and creating a strong board only works if you're developing the board generally through through the eyes of of the other board members as much as yourself. Now I do think that um, administratively, you can really put your own stamp on the creation of the board. What do I mean? Um, Well, part of it is, again, in kind of grooming individual board members to take on particular projects that you as board chair would really like to see the board take on, Um, whether that's saying, you know, uh, we need a chair of of a subcommittee to bring in new board members. And so by virtue of that position that you create with the help of your colleague on the board, you can expand the size of the board. Well, that's certainly putting your mark uh, on the board, or maybe there's a fundraising way you can do this. So I wouldn't say that you're totally silent in that regard, but you're right that you cannot be too opinionated all the time because it really will get in the way of that of that broader responsibility that you have to the institution.
0: What are the attributes that make a good board chair? do you think?
1: Um, well, I, I think we've just touched on one which is you have to be you have to be willing, I think to let the board and the organization grow and morph into something that may not be exactly what you and your heart of hearts would like to see. Um, you have to be willing to to be to, to let that happen for the sake of the institution. Um, I think you have to be somebody who's willing to hear other people out, who's willing to understand that, your reg- success.
0: Reg- what? Regardless of what it is they say. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I know, do. I um, when I do a presentations on building great boards, I have this slide, which is a picture of Tina Fey rolling her eyes. I put it up there and I say, if you plan to be a board chair, you may not roll your eyes. Right. That everybody's voice matters. And if you are not the person, if you um, are a lousy poker player, you're probably going to be a a less than optimal board chair.
1: I think that's right, uh, in part because, you know, the eye roll sometimes masks the fact that somebody who's delivering a message in a particularly, you know, uh, let's just say, not in the most effective way, nevertheless is making a point that needs to be aired. And if you roll your eyes, and you undermine the the person. You also undermine the position, and the position may need you know to be discussed. And so, so yeah, you can't you can't do that, obviously. Um, I think you really have to see the board as, um, in many ways, at times, the sum of the individual parts. By which I mean its members, and you have to see each member as somebody who has who, who's going to be concerned about their own growth who's going to want to have a satisfying um, experience on the board. And you, I think you have to start by saying to a person, how can I make uh, it so that this person has a satisfying experience on the board? And sometimes that means focusing with them on three things, three things only you want them to do an entire year. And sometimes it means working with them regularly to find some kind of institutional home for them on the board where they are going to be able to f- f- flourish and thrive and be a leader. So, so that's also very important. I, th-
0: I, I, I don't think you can underestimate that point. I do believe that um, it, is, it is essential that board members feel as if they are bringing their full selves to the table when they sit down at that board meeting. And if someone does not ask them you know, what is it when when you turn off of this board board, what do you want to be able to say you contributed? And and I do believe it is the obligation of the institution in exchange for the for the enormous amount of, uh, of service that people are donating to be able to deliver on that. I just feel like that's really important. And clearly, in your experience, that that came came to, you know, that came true for you. But for for so many people, it, it does not. The other thing that you um, that is implicit in everything that you have said is that you're just totally passionate about issues of immigration, and I do not believe a board chair should raise her hand, raise his or her hand, or be voluntold unless they're kind of crazy about the organization.
1: I think that's probably right. I I, I would say though that I you know became more and more passionate about the organization as I. Uh, spent more time as board chair. I may not have complete, I, I wasn't, you know, I, I want to, you know, I want to be be honest about something. I don't think, you know, aside from a couple of really good fundraising uh, uh, clinches that I had for the organization, you know, I probably wasn't the most engaged board member before I was asked to become chair. I mean, the fundraising stuff was important. And I think that was the future of where we were going. But it really was in in the context of suddenly having all of these new responsibilities and trying to get my head around what the role kind of was. There wasn't really like a, uh, I wouldn't say there was like a robust orientation period. Um, And and I became more passionate. Um, And part of the passion is about the organization and its mission. But part of the passion is also, I think, about feeling good about the board as an institution and, and feeling like each individual member is getting a say. And getting an opportunity to be to be their best as well
0: let's talk about a relationship that i um, <clears throat> I talk about a lot as being in my mind the pivotal relationship in the health of a nonprofit organization which is the relationship between the board chair and the executive director or the CEO. what do you see as the practical elements of success in the relationship between the board chair and the ed
1: so practically speaking uh, I think there needs to there has to be Constant communication, whether that's monthly, monthly meals, or, or even semi-monthly meals—you uh, know, getting breakfast, getting coffee, checking in about how things are going, making sure that the lines of communication are open, and building a, a, a trusting relationship where the executive director can hopefully feel comfortable bringing you um, bad, good news and bad news. Yes. Um, so that's very important, uh, and how you do that is going to depend entirely. On the personalities of the board chair and the personality of the executive director, so that has that's going to change, you know, organization by organization. But I do think that the regular check-ins are going to help.
0: I talk about board chairs and CEOs as partners, but the truth is, on the higher, you know, on an org chart, I if I'm an I, I'm an ED and you're the board chair, I work for you. You are responsible for my evaluation. You're responsible for my raise. How do you build that? comfort level to say to me, Joan, it's okay. Not only is it okay, but it's really important that you tell me about the things that are challenges as well as successes. How do you build that?
1: Yeah, I don't think you build it on day one. Um, I think you build it over time. So two thoughts for you. One thought is, it's interesting because it's true that on an org chart, the board chair uh, sits on top uh, in the organizational scheme of things of the executive director. Um, on the other hand, you know there are a lot of different ways of understanding what, what that line, that, that vertical line uh, going up and down means. Um, one way of thinking about it might be, and, and let's just sort of test this out, and see, what, see what we think, that the board chair and the board, uh, they're not the deciders. They provide an oversight role. They're there as overseers. Um, and that the executive director, in many ways, uh, in an ideal scenario, is the one who is, I mean, the word executive is part of the title for a reason, is taking the executive action for the organization. Um, And so thinking of oneself in the board chair role as an overseer rather than a decider may be one way of just helping to frame the, the relationship such that the executive director feels more comfortable being transparent with you about what the you know what the day to day problems might happen to be yeah um that's that that's one way um now that requires a you know that requires kind of meditating for a minute on that on that distinction and that may work for some people but certainly in the heat of the moment right if there is some dust up then you don't really have the time um, or or the kind of mental resources to kind of stop and go back to square one. This is where, you know, I actually think consultants can be very, very valuable. At the beginning of of the transition can be a good time as well where the consultant can kind of help the board chair and the ED kind of just think through a little bit. About what their relationship is and what it's based on, and how this might be a two way street, and how the board really needs the executive director. But the executive director also, at the end of the day, needs the board for that kind of oversight.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, you know, I see it so often with executive directors who see, they'll see their board as a necessary evil. I think the things to avoid, uh, I believe that sometimes board chairs see themselves as advocates or champions for the executive director, which can can often drive over into something that I call cover, right? I have heard EDs say, I just want the board chair to keep me away from those, you know, from, <laughs> from that board member over there that's constantly calling me and annoying me with ideas we can't afford to implement, right? And so, <clears throat> You know, I think that they that's why setting expectations, I think, is so very, very important. You are the board chair uh, ending your term during uh, a staff leadership transition as your ED moved on under good circumstances, and she was quite ready for a new challenge. Uh, it is my firm belief that a leadership transition can be one of the most destabilizing moments in the trajectory of a nonprofit. And I wonder if you have some uh, advice for our listeners, uh, advice for boards that are in some kind of a staff a, a leadership transition, um, what to do, what not to do. Um, and I guarantee you there are some people here that are about to take notes.
1: <laughs> okay. Um... Well, so I guess the pressure's on then, right, Joan? <laughs> um, the most important thing the board is going to do is, is hire, when, when appropriate, the, the new executive director. And if you don't know, if you really don't understand where the organization is during a critical, pivotal moment, you need to get that information. And you need to, with, hopefully with the executive director's assistance, find a uh, group of people who can help advise you as um, you think about a process for replacing the ED. So I think, again, right, to the extent you have a good relationship going between the ED and the board chair, that will uh, pay dividends when it comes time to replacing the ED. Um, I think it's important that you check in with the board and with the executive director about, given where you are, what kind of transition you want to make? Is there somebody on staff who seems well positioned to either be the new executive director or maybe be an interim ED? Is there somebody you want to appoint as an acting ED while you kind of figure out what your search process is going to be like? I also think that there are some excellent outside advisors, or, or I don't know what you'd call them, consultants, I guess, who um, have done this kind of thing before. I, I would say this, it's, it's, it's going to be far more difficult and time consuming. Usually, than predicted, and so using an outside consultant is it's it's money well spent. I think sometimes there's even um, uh, well, well, there there may even be fundraising around this that that one can do. I, I I've I've heard of that kind of thing, but in any event, um, it is it is very important. I think to figure out what the process is going to be, who's going to be involved in the process. Are you going to have a committee of more involved board members who will make sure that they are in the you know second round interviews? If, if you hire a consultant, the consultant will often do the first round interviews. Um, really meeting the consultant, having a meal with the consultant one-on-one to really talk about the issues that the organization is experiencing. Bringing staff members into this conversation. You know, As long as the executive director is able to be open with the staff about his or her decision to move on, those staff members are going to have great ideas about the kinds of qualities that you're going to want in a new executive director. I I suppose I'm not saying anything that's going to come as a surprise uh, to to your listeners, Joan, but I guess the thing that I would say is it's very, very important um, to take a step back, to bring everyone in you can possibly bring in to have their voice heard on this, to think about former board members, founders, other people even in this particular space that you're in at other nonprofits or other organizations who might be able to give insights into um, what the process should be or what kind of person you should be looking for. Um, And then to have a committee of individuals whose job it is to really think carefully about who the right choice will be for the organization going forward.
0: So we're about out of time. We've been talking with Joe Landau, Fordham University Law Professor Joe Landau, who specializes in administrative law and immigration. He is also knows a lot about media as a uh, person who served as the assistant managing editor of New Republic Magazine and has spent uh, some time with us this afternoon talking about a day in the life of a board chair. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your thoughts and the conversation was great.
1: Thanks so much, Joan. It was a pleasure to be with you.
0: Nonprofits are Messy is a service of Joan Gary Consulting. Widely known as the nonprofit Dear Abby, Joan's leadership blog reaches over 40,000 unique visitors monthly from over 150 countries. Subscribe at www.joangary.com.